right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! To another edition of the Just Basketball Show. I am Brendan Clean. That is Chris Manning. We're back for another episode. If you're finding us for the first time, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We are everywhere, including YouTube. Give us a nice five-star review. Hit subscribe. Drop a comment. All that good stuff. Get involved. We are here for you twice a week. Maybe more as the playoffs come around. If you're on social media, we are there too. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are, we are. Let's dive in. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm a little tired of the regular season. We're, we're talking about off-season narratives today. We're going backwards because it feels like, is MVP all that's left to be sorted out? I mean, I know the standings are crazy, but... I'm not sure anyone really wants it. I think the league feels like it's ready for the playoffs. Maybe that's a March Madness thing and the tension's just elsewhere. But man, some of these games have just been a slog recently. Yeah, I think I think before we hit the big topic, Brennan, I think we would be remiss to just not note that uh, the, the Willis Reed, the Knicks legend, the two-time champion, did pass away. I do feel like we should just hit on this very briefly. This is someone obviously played before our time, um, but a, a Hall of Famer, a champion, has one of the most iconic... You know, coming back on the the court from injury moments in league history. If you haven't watched, you can find that on YouTube, and it is remarkable. This is a basketball legend. This is a a Knicks legend. Um, the game seven of the of the nineteen seventy NBA Finals is one of the big moments in NBA history. Uh, Harvey Ayrton's uh, you know obit of him in the Times today, uh, as we're recording this on the twenty first, was sensational. And this is this is one of this is a, a legend. This is one of our, our the members of history gone um so i i just think that should be noted about that i agree with you but this i feel like we should just know what is what is happening with what happened with Willis Reed and his passing before we get into it yeah absolutely i i think actually that uh one of the 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 crappy parts of the timing on this i think that they were about to do something commemorating that championship team. I feel like I've seen it on the, maybe they already did it. I, I kind of doubt he would have been there, but I know that they've been talking about it because Clyde Frazier obviously does the broadcast. And so mm-hmm. it's cool. You know, the NBA 75, it's, it's awesome that so many of the, the legends were able to be a part of that. But yeah, I mean, this, this league is getting to a point where, you know, it's not like he was a young man by any means, obviously, you know, you, you hate to see legends go, but it's just, starting to get to that point where there's so much history and so many amazing players where, you know, eventually guys are, are going to start to, to pass and, and we gotta, we gotta remember them. So that's why my mind immediately goes to the stuff that they were planning to do for Mad- at Madison square garden to, to commemorate those teams, because you're absolutely right. I mean, considering the, the market, considering how few teams there were back then and whatever, like those are some of the moments that, that made the NBA into what it is and made people fall in love with it. And if people want to learn more, more than I think, you know, Brennan, you and I are equipped to say, uh, there's a book by Harvey Arden, who you know, previously mentioned, called When the Garden Was Eden. That is one of the best bass books I have ever read. I got it. My dad um, is from New York, grew up a Knicks fan, Dave DeBusher, the, the corner sniper was his favorite player as a kid. Um, but he he would like, my dad would do the willis reed like call like in his own voice like as like a way to like get me like excited about stuff as a kid and i was like you're being weird dad but like in retrospect it was just like he had this love for 
Steam in that book by by Aaron is really good. If you've if maybe people have read Blood in the Garden, the the book Chris Herring mm-hmm. wrote about the '90s Knicks. This is like a good like pairing, I think, with that book. It's different. It's a different era. It's a different era of basketball. It's different kinds of characters. You know, it's like there's no like it's different that there's not like a Pat Riley kind of like stalking the sidelines kind of thing. But when the Garden was even by Harvey Arden, is you can get it from your library. You probably find it somewhere like pretty affordable. But it's a it's a very good book if you want to learn more and and dive into the history of, of those Knicks teams and how, and just that, the specialness of, of that era. You still a library guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. I am too, but I've gotten disappointed by my library recently. They do not have a lot of like sports books, especially. I think that one I would hope makes the cut, but yeah, they, I feel like you gotta got to do the whole fill out the form to get them to buy the book for you. And then that feels like a pain. And then you're like, well, if it's, if I'm waiting, I should just buy. I don't know. Libraries need to step up their game is my point, I think. Yeah, they got to. I think like basketball wise, like they got to have like breaks of the game by David Halberstrom. They got to have, I think, uh, I think they got to have loose balls. Russell's by autobiography. Terry, Russell's, Russell's autobiography is, is a big one. Uh, I think loose balls by Terry Pluto about the ABA. Um, I think when the garden was Eden. Um, there's got to be like a. I mean, there's probably like a Michael Jordan book or something like there has to be some stuff. But yeah, like you got to love a library, love a library, save your money. I think all be, that people need, uh, I think every, everything people need to know about the NBA can be found in the 20, 2008 film Semi-Pro. Personally, I'm not sure. I mean, books are cool, but I feel like Semi-Pro is probably at most libraries and that'll that'll cover it. A, a great Woody Harrelson performance, a great Andre 3000 performance. And and there you go. Your 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 history lesson is done. I have one more thing before we dive into these these sure. offseason narratives that we're revisiting. Um, have you ever had a celebrity encounter covering an NBA game? Yes. Okay, tell me your story, and then I'll tell you mine. Who's who's like the first person that comes to mind that you cross paths with, or that you were like, should I take a picture? Should I not? Whatever the case was. So uh, I was walking in a tunnel. One of the two years I was out of college covering the finals in Cleveland, and I was just walking down the hallway, not really paying attention. And then there was like, was this a fight? It was sometime in the playoffs, like time, whatever. Big game. Big game. And then there was like about like 10 security people like clearing out the hallway so no one could get near these people. And I was, and they like were like, hey, just get out of the way. Like we have someone coming. And I assumed it was like, you know, like someone's team's family member or whatever but it was all of the kardashians it was like three over four of the kardashians and i was just, and it was because chloe interesting and blah, blah, blah. but like that yeah, was like yeah. i was just like oh this is you're allowed like, to say it it's okay you can yeah you i mean i'm your outside tristan thompson's like tristan thompson's seo is like forever just like that now like it's it's that's true it, it's fair. that's that's tough for him but um that was one and then i would say the other night, I was walking around the concourse uh, with my Danny Cunningham, who covers the Cavs at ESPN 850, and we just saw Brown's general manager, or I think it's his general manager, Andrew Barry, just like, walking around like a normal human being, which is like very random in the city of Cleveland. So those are my two. Andrew Barry's not really a celebrity in the same level of the Kardashians, but like in Cleveland, that it was just like, why is Andrew Barry just like on the concourse? Like it was just kind of random. So I'm gonna, that's my other one. So mine was, I have a question for you at the end of my story, but I have this weird thing because obviously the Suns made the finals two years ago and I covered all those games in person, but it was still like very much 
COVID heavy restrictions, sure. you know, ma- everybody's still wearing masks there. All the seats aren't even allowed to be filled in yet. It was, it was a pretty packed arena, but, but you could feel that it, it was off. Right. And so like Adele came to a lot of the games during the playoff run, at least the Lakers series, because she is dating the agent of their best player in case people don't know that. Um, and then like Kendall Jenner came because she was dating Devin Booker. So there were a lot of celebrities, but like we weren't really able to go down into the locker room yet. The celebrities definitely weren't allowed to be down there like they normally would be. So I haven't had a lot of it last year. I'm not sure why there's not a lot of people that live in Arizona and the, the, uh, the sun's playoff stretch did not go uh, that deep and they didn't play a ton of high profile opponents. So fast forward to last week, we have about like three celebrities that we can claim here in Phoenix. One of them is Emma stone. Yeah. And so I, she, uh, um, among she showed up among our best. Great. The favorite fantastic film. Um, I, I know most people would say La La Land. I intentionally did not. Um, Easy A, banger. Easy A, sure. Super bad, all good. Adventureland. Wait, no, that's Kristen Stewart. Um, but anyway, so she comes. I have a, a particular affinity for her. One, because I think she's cool and good looking and talented and all that stuff. She's also a Padres fan and a Suns fan. And that that checks two boxes for me. So I was like, okay, it's Emma Stone. I grew up at a particular time when she was, uh, you know, a, a sight to behold and very famous and all that stuff. So I'm like, all right, this person is here. She's right there, right outside the locker room when the access opened up from the Suns to go talk to players. But I'm like, okay, that's her. One of the media members pulled the trigger and asked for the picture. What do you do in that spot? Do you ask? Do you go take the photo with the famous actress who's just there to cheer on her team and probably doesn't care about the schlubby media members? You just do it because you want to, or do you do you withhold? What's the vibe? What's your what? What do you do in that spot? I personally would not do it. That, but that is also me. Like I would just like I I am big on like if I see if I happen to like ever see someone like famous like that who's just like living their life, I don't want to. I want them to just like live their moment and like have some normalcy. But that is also me who is like pretty introverted and like also just like I think about what I would want in this situation, and it's like you're already kind of like going to have people looking at you and it's weird. And like, I, I, that, so me personally, I'm saying like, let him be. I did that obviously. Otherwise I would have probably included the picture or some sort of end to that story. That was not the one I did share. I did not take the picture. Uh, I didn't even talk to her. didn't even say anything. Tried to avert my gaze. Cause I agree with you. I feel like you got to consider what does that person want? And like, they're there to cheer on their team. She's there to meet Chris Paul and Devin Booker, not me, you know, like even low key, not to be rude to anybody, but like, I saw her talking to Ish Wainwright. I'm like, did she know who he was four hours ago? She's actually just like on, on cleaning the glass, like deep, deep Ish Wainwright, <laughs> like just, stats hive. I hope she continues to come. They gave her a Jersey. So they probably knew she was going to be going to be there. She does. I believe like, she, she at least has family here. I'm not sure if she has a house here or anything. I, I would imagine she lives in LA most of the time, as most celebrities do. Um, but anyway, that was just uh, a here, weird here. little so here, moment for me. And I, I still am second guessing myself. And then, of course, all the family that I told about it. Like, I did snap a picture of her sort of like talking to Ish Wainwright. Yeah. So I have the, the the commemorative, like, I was there, this really happened thing. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, you should have just asked her. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, she's not there to, it's not like she's an animal at a petting zoo for me to just sort of like use Bingo. for my own entertainment. Bingo. Bingo. So th- the last thing we'll say about this is like, sometimes at, at Cavs games, you will get like bronze players and like, Miles Garrett has, you know, is is there has been there a decent amount historically, 
like last year he was courtside for like a Warriors, the Warriors Cavs game in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people I saw just like go up to him and try to get a photo and he's just like sitting there watching the game was like, I'm like, yeah, like I would never if I'm him, I'm never doing it at that point. I just want to be like left alone at that point. Let me just like watch this game and like and stuff and like be normal for a few seconds. Like I, I, I very much just get that. Is there anyone that you would like break it for, though? Is there anyone you'd be like, I have to do this? Yeah, that gets us into like the most starstruck you've been. Uh, by like people you've actually gotten to be around covering sports. And um, I have a different answer for that. Cause I guess I did, I didn't ask those people for photos. I don't know, because I feel like if you get to like Emma stone is kind of in the sweet spot where like, I would have been nervous to ask, but it would have been okay. Like I could have handled talking to her. I sure. still get super starstruck. So I think that once you clear a certain level kind of above her, then I'm just too nervous to even talk to the person. So I don't know. It might have yeah. to be lower than her so that I could actually approach them and I wouldn't feel like I was bothering them. So then you're talking about like somebody super niche, like uh, the guy who plays like cousin Greg. If he was at a, if he was at a game, like I'm down because he's not so famous uh, where it's I, like, I, I, he's tired I of it. Uh, why Nicholas Braun. Exactly. Nicholas Braun. I'm asking for a photo if he comes to a son's game. Okay. That's fair. Um, all right, you ready to do off-season narratives? Yeah, my answer is Paul Thomas Anderson, but just oh, let's do yeah, off-season well, narratives. It's like PTA or like if if I saw like all members of Boy Genius, like we're 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 getting the photo. When I saw Lucy Dacus in concert, she walked through the crowd before the show, and I got to like say hi and shake her hand. That was very cool because I saw her at a super tiny venue. She was like a little bar, basically. Yeah, um, that's very story cool. for a different time. All right, let's yes. go. We're going to revisit off-season narratives. And so what we mean by this is it's not just move and then we reanalyze it now. It is like the moves, the the trends, the narratives that formed and like what did people think and how has that maybe changed? That's the whole point of what we're doing. Now that we have a whole season of retrospect behind us and we can kind of evaluate it now. All right. So number one, Chris, James Harden is finally sacrificing both financially and playing with a player who is clearly better than him in Joel Embiid by Mm -hmm. re-signing with the 76ers. And then I think, too, again, part of that was this is a real opportunity for him, potentially his best situation that he's ever been in as a player. How do you look back on this one now that the Sixers are potentially going to be the two seed, he's playing with what might be the MVP and they have a real shot at a title. I mean, I think he def it's definitely like not peak Houston Harden anymore. So if we wanted to find sacrifices is him being that, that is definitely true. I also think that he is maybe going to make an all NBA team and is having a really good season and should have been an all-star and all of these things. And it's like, if you're playing at that level and doing all this stuff, how much are you actually sacrificing to some degree? He obviously is and has given up stuff, but I think he's also, you know, going to be very well like recognized for the season he's having and the the way he's played. I think there's also the the specter, Brendan, of what happens with the Houston stuff, you know, and does that cloud how we look at this in a couple of months? Like what happens at the end of the season for Philly and, and where Harden goes from here? I think to me, fair or not, that's gonna cloud how I feel about answering this question to some degree. So I would say yes. And I think this is his best situation ever. I feel good about that. But it's also, he's still, 
he didn't go from like being the number one banana or like a co banana in Brooklyn to like the third or fourth wheel. He is still like a co star. He's not. He's like the clearly the two to Embiid one, but he's he's not. He's still like a very very big focal part of the team. It's not like Tyrese Maxey has succeeded him in in the pecking order in Philadelphia. I love what Harden is. I I still have a little bit of anxiety about how frequently some of these like the the Bulls game on Monday night just bad shooting nights you know like his two-point percentage is still a little bit off from where he was last year um I I still feel like he turns the ball over a lot like he he I guess it's to be expected as he ages but like he still has some of the warts in his game not even to mention anything related to defense which is basically non-existent Mm -hmm. and he's sort of scoring less and so I don't know what to make of what he looks like in a game six of a playoff series. I think that there's a case to be made that doing less during the regular season, his usage is way down, might help him at least be fresher, at least be less likely to get hurt. Some of the muscle stuff and just wear and tear injuries that he's suffered in the past, the hamstring obviously kind of being the the most notable one. But I love what he's been able to do for Embiid, and I think that hasn't necessarily gotten enough attention. The Sixers are plus 9.6 per 100 possessions with Harden and Embiid both on the court. That's among the best duos in the NBA from an on-off standpoint. Embiid has the same usage as last year, same field goal Mm -hmm. attempts, basically. And yet his efficiency is way up. And almost 10% more of his made field goals, Embiid's made field goals, this year have been assisted compared to last year. I I didn't pull exactly what number of those are coming from Harden, but we can assume a lot. And so... When you kind of go backward and think about him deciding to really, he took $15 million less from what his player option was, $47 million, to what his current salary for this season became, which is 32 I know he got another guaranteed year out of it, but that's still noteworthy. And to choose to stay in Philly, even back before that, to choose to get traded to Philly and ask for sure. that, put pressure on the Nets to get him here. I do think there's something to be said for a player being self-aware enough to choose all of that and sacrifice and and do kind of what it takes to make it all work. Um, I think the obvious question still in everybody's mouth as we reevaluate this though, Chris is, is he going to stay in Philly? Cause this, this isn't going away either. And we talked about it a few weeks ago, but I feel like it, if we reevaluated in another year and he, he jumped ship, I'm going to feel a lot worse about it. Cause I don't know why he would leave for all the reasons we just said, this is kind of perfect for him. That that's the exact question I have. It's like, does does he what what does he value? What is he looking for? What is he what is he chasing that is potentially going to come up this summer? Right? Like, I think that's that's absolutely a part of it. If he goes back to Houston and this was just like a one year sacrifice, that is very different than if this is a multi year sacrifice for James Harden. Right? Like that that is a different kind of thing he's going to be doing in that if that's the case. So. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely hangs over everything this year. And it's not totally fair to, to Philly, but like the fact that this has now been reported like a couple of times by legit people, you know, first Woj on Christmas and then Kelly Iko and Sam Amick later in the year from the athletic. Like this is this is a thing. And if like maybe Harden at the end of his career wants something different, maybe this is like his kind of limit on what he wants to do. But I, I think it absolutely is, is part of it all to me. I, I think it changes how we can Think about this and look, the playoffs ultimately for Harden will just dictate, I think, more of this than anything else. Like, do how does how do they perform? How does he perform 
does is there a Harden game that isn't like the classic Harden kind of playoff stinker that he's had before? And does that just what does that mean? And is there a game where he really just like Embiid's really going off and he's just like, I'm going to play the assist man over and over and over again and be willing to kind of supersede in that way? I, I'm curious to see that and see what that looks like. And it could result if it goes all well, like this could be like he gets his title and like, you know, the the the, the giving in and is is probably worth it but like does what does this look like in the playoffs thing it's still like a very open question and has a lot to say about this so that one is incomplete i think we both agree number two that that we have here is off season 2022 off season narrative number two the mega trade era is upon us and i think this one is very clearly true i think that it will continue to hold up I think that reading the tea leaves for this upcoming offseason, it's not going anywhere. I have a list for you, and you might add or subtract. Please butt in if I have something wrong or if you think of a name that I have not come up with here, Chris. But I have a list of more than a dozen players that I think could be available this summer, depending on what happens in the playoffs. Are you ready? Yeah, I think there's one name. I'm curious to see where you start because there's one name I definitely think we need to start with, but we'll see if if you get there. Well, just to be clear, I went through the standings West 1 through 15, East 1 through 15, so I did not like, you know, rank them or anything, but I'll give you the names. Jamal Murray, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle, Jimmy Jaylen, Butler, Trey Young. J- Jalen Brown. Let's talk about Jalen yeah. Brown because there's Let's a ringer. Pro- I had like a- four more on there. Isn't that insane though? Before we get to Jalen that, that like, did I say any that you were like, Oh no, they're staying for sure. No. I mean like, I, I, I don't know what to make of like some of the Murray stuff and, and all of that. Right. Like I think I that is, I just with Murray, it's kind of like if they lose, what is, right. Yeah. And like, how do they pivot? And I, th- I think, I don't think that's unreasonable. The Brown one is just kind of newsy because we get, you know, we had this interview with the New York Times last week, and then he has, there's a Logan Murdoch wrote a profile at the yeah. uh, Ringer today that came out that Jalen Brown, like, he was asked, like, you know, do you see yourself in boss long term? And he basically, it's like, I want to basically, like, the through line is like, please pay me. Like, I deserve to, to, to make my money and can't really blame him. Can't really, like, fault him for that. But, like, is it is the him and Tatum partnership a long term thing? If you think about Boston's future, that is so tied to that, and and what the, and what those two as kind of a duo allow you to do. But like, if they have to trade him, like what what like the, I I'm sure that they would get a boatload of picks and stuff for him. There's no way they wouldn't, right? And he would be the guy that of of the names, like he's the one that if you're telling me like he's worth the price paid for these guys we saw last summer, Gobert. Mitchell Murray, Jante Murray, obviously not not uh, Jamal. He would be the one that I'm like, yeah, my I I get my my Batman ears are going up. I'm really like into to that as as a guy that I you could see being totally worth the the cash of picks depending on if it's the right team or not. I could I I sort of understand Brown. You know, I I think this is getting into our next offseason narrative from last year a little bit, but. People kind of, I think, have forgotten that last year the rumors came out that the the Celtics would would potentially make Jalen Brown available in a trade for Kevin Durant. Remember that? Yep. And then he this, he tweeted this is in, he this is in the story that pe- that Logan okay. Murdoch wrote. He talked about how so I haven't Brent read Stevens it called. It's it's worth a read. It is worth considering. There's some interesting stuff there. We'll say that. And 
he tweets what you know WTF and and whatever I, I can't remember exactly what he tweeted and then you know I don't think the Celtics went super hard at that I don't really think anyone went super hard at that because the Nets convinced themselves everything was going to be okay um but I would understand Jalen Brown looking around and thinking there are a lot of nights where I'm the best player on a team that wants to and can win a championship yeah. and like feeling as if he doesn't get that level of respect or that it's not backed up with with money all that stuff I I, I don't necessarily blame him I do kind of wonder you know with a guy that that is so different and, and kind of looks at his career and his role in sports his role as an athlete very differently than a lot of other people do I'm curious what sort of satisfaction and comfort looks like for Jalen Brown. And he doesn't yes. really talk, you know, publicly about a lot of things. And so I'm not even meaning that negatively. I just, I don't know. I don't know what, what he wants, what drives him, what sort of, you know, uh, best case scenario for his career looks like in his eyes. But um, the, the rest of the names that I had, Chris, were Pascal Siakam, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Bradley Beal. I think that's like 15 people that I just listed off. I don't know if everyone has their... I don't know if everyone realizes how momentous of uh, a playoffs this is going to be because it's so wide open. It feels like a lot of teams will go in with very high expectations and be disappointed because not everybody can get to the conference finals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, who? who Last I checked, next... it's only four teams who can do that. I don't know if they changed yeah, the rule. It's, it's, it's hard. Who, who is the next name for you that, that comes to mind when you think about this? Like who is it actually going to be out of the list that I that I put out there, or or that you could see as like a way to to kind of tell us about where this is going? Because I think like the Bron thing is like a is a, as a story is like if he goes, that tells you a story about where the Eastern Conference is going. You know, like that that's that's part of it, right? Like I think that's absolutely yeah, part of that that discussion. It's Kawhi and PG, you know, because I, I think it, from a big picture standpoint, the narrative side of this, the whole you know where 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 is the mega trade era heading it would be particularly interesting and kind of funny if those guys were to get traded again because they kind of kicked this whole thing off in a way not not fully right like tons of players tons of stars have gotten traded for like a decade you know really since lebron and, and all sure. that but those two the paul george trade is still one of the biggest ever when you when you include what shea has become and so if either him or Kawhi or both end up getting passed back to another team it just is going to be kind of that full circle like really what are we doing here is this all that team building is now and i don't know take take a little bit of the the, the optimism and promise away from it where clippers fans were like great we got these guys for who knows how long and then if that who knows how long becomes like four years and no kind of title yeah and the no other the, the other one is is carl anthony towns to me because If there was a, if the, if you're if you're the wolves and you give up all these picks for Gobert and you feel like you have to pivot and you have Ant in house already like I and you're like okay like we can get some of our picks back right like I and they are the most of the teams that made these big trades this summer they were they would be the I don't know how likely it is I don't it doesn't strike me as necessarily like likely by any stretch of the imagination but if there was ever a team that was going to be like hey you know what like we got to like pivot and and do something with what we got here. Like maybe that's maybe that's the one that is like okay we can recoup some picks and and adjust on the fly and get and gives you an idea of like what teams 
kind of willingness to ride out some of these these massive trades would be at least the more recent ones. The Clippers and the Clippers and they're a different situation. The ownership group there is different. They don't have the Steve Ballmer kind of like spend whatever kind of thing necessarily going on there. Like you, I could see a world where they're like, okay, let's get a couple of our picks back. Let's reset the financial clock. Let's like build really properly around Ant and and move forward in that way. But I I don't know how likely it is. But that that's the other name to me that pops out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's funny is all those names I listed. Some of those teams have already made bigger trades. Some of them are nearing the end of their cycle. Some of the, them are potentially looking to to jumpstart whatever the next version of their team will look like. It's just no matter how good you are in the NBA, that ace in the hole is always like what you look to in this era. It's just what big trade can we make? Can we make ourselves better with the big trade? Can we tear down with the big trade? Can we rearrange with the big trade? Whatever the case may be. Kind of crazy. Uh, speaking of mega trades and last summer, narrative number three from the 2022 offseason is Kevin Durant will still be traded eventually. How are we feeling? Um, I, well, I, I, think, uh, I think that one traded. answered itself a little bit. I think he got traded. Yeah. Um, do a little bit of a victory lap. Put my put my son's fan hat on a little bit. But this one you could you could see coming from a mile away. Like I, I think Suns fans last year, and obviously I, I probably have as close of a of a finger on the pulse of this one as anyone does, covering it literally daily on Locked On Suns for all of last summer, all of this season, and every day since. Um I think people just sort of drove drove themselves crazy with the half halfway lottery that happened for Durant, the halfway sweepstakes that happened for Durant, where Sean Marks and Joe side deluded themselves into thinking that this guy was just going to pack up his things and, and say, never mind. That was never going to happen. And, you know, Steve Nash gets fired right away. Kyrie Irving's separate path for his next contract and his own sort of contentment in the league went away from Durant's. Everything about this was predictable, and unless the Nets were going to go, you know, win a championship, which they very well were on their way to to competing for, this was always going to come full circle, and Durant was never going to be a net for the rest of his contract. It just, it was silly from the jump. The minute he asked for a trade, they just should have done it. Yeah, um... That that one is like almost complicated in different ways because it's like it's it's Durant and it is like this all time guy that you know is never going to be like replicated or replaced or or anything in that nature right like that is a one of one guy in a ton of ways. Um, I don't think that the the Durant part will be replicated, but I I don't think it has to be a, a huge trend for it to still have a lot of these tentacles, right? Like. Kyrie now is on what, the Mavericks. What, what, well, I was going to ask you actually what Steve, Na- if Steve Nash ever is a head coach again, do you think he ever coaches again? Or do you I, think that was just an experiment because he wanted that opportunity with those players and he just decided and he had the know, relationship with Durant and, and Durant and, and from Golden State. I, if I was him, I'd probably just like go back to like doing like, you know, Champions League, like punditry for Paramount Plus or something. Like, or just be a dad and be rich. That sounds pretty oh, being nice. A, you know, being a Tottenham fan right now, like he is and I am, is not uh, exactly stress-free right now. I wonder if like... Goodbye, Conte. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's over. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. Tough. Um, here, here's what I'll say. I, how many teams do you think could have... You Are there any teams in the league that could have had Duran in that situation and just held on? 
I think Miami could have. I think the Lakers probably could have. I think it's the like most the interesting big one to me is Toronto. Yeah. And what what Scotty Barnes becomes versus what they oh, could have been with Durant. You know, I think that, I, I think Toronto can definitely be accused of being a little bit precious about what they are and what they have. And it, when you're talking about Donovan Mitchell or something, it's it's a little different when you're talking about a a walking title chance in Kevin Durant. Uh, you, you're talking about something different. And I do think well, it's fair to accuse them of choosing to be solid for 10 years versus awesome for three. And I don't know what I would do if I had a whole bunch of things to consider sure. like money and fans and all that. But man, it's a missed opportunity if, if Durant really does do this for Phoenix. Well, no, the, the, what I what I mean is how many teams could have held on and waited out the Durant storm? Is there any team that could have done it because they had like the, the the market size, the culture? Like, is there any team that you think could have actually ridden out? Oh, as opposed the to Durant's? Brooklyn? Like yeah. a team that could have kept him? No, because... Yes. Oh, I could see all those like, other, I, I could all those see, other I factors think, might be different, but that doesn't yeah, change Pat, the fact that he was pissed off and, and fed up. Like, yeah, Pat Riley you, might be like white knuckling that one, though. Is, is my thought. You know what I mean? This is the point that I made all last summer, and Kevin Durant getting traded this February backs it up completely. We have never seen in the modern history of the NBA any player ask to be traded and have that request not fulfilled. It has never one time happened. The only time people could point to was Kobe Bryant in 2004 or five or whatever it was after after Shaq left and the teams were bad and he was toiling away and whatever. Um, and even that situation, just when you consider the criminal trial, the civil settlement that he was going through and all the rest, it did not feel like a one for one. And so basically you could say that it has never happened. I don't care if it's Pat Riley. It like, I, you know what I mean? Like LeBron left, right? Sure. I mean, it's it. I don't think any star until I see some scenario that that proves me wrong will ever not get their way when they decide that they are done. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think there's some organizations that might have, let's say, had a better shot. I think like I, I, I think that's possible. Um, there's a bunch of uh, organizations that might have not made the mistakes that led to that. Right. You know, like uh, being held hostage by Harden the previous trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, look, whatever here's they did the other with Kyrie, th- like, there was a bunch the- of things that led to Durant getting to that point that I think other organizations would have done better. But by the time it got to last July, Durant was done and all they could do to, to fix it would have been snap their fingers and hope that a genie came and made all their wishes come true. Like it was it was done by that point. Also, I think there's like definitely like a case study with the Brooklyn Nets that it's like you probably can't let the players like control every single like decision and coaching thing and like there's a reason like you need to have like an actual organization to like be the best bat, the best chance of winning a title. I think per like, I, I just like, it doesn't work when like, it doesn't work when the coach is the president and the coach and it doesn't work when the players are the ones making decisions, decisions on everything else. I get like your stars having input. I'm not saying that's bad, but what I am saying is that like, I think when they have like way more control, I don't think that exactly it, the level of control and input, it seems like Kevin Durant and Kyrie had in Brooklyn. It just, I don't think that is particularly helpful. Two of LeBron's four rings would beg to differ. Yeah, but but even okay, but even the twenty six okay is the twenty sixteen one on that list because like there there is yeah, a lot 2016 of twenty sixteen and twenty twenty I would say both were, I would, were heavily influenced by LeBron's guidance and the roster. I I think, but I also think like you had a, an in twenty sixteen like David Griffin like very much 
like pulling some strings there and like some and Ty Lue also like pretty famously like was able to call out LeBron at times in a way that he's not like controlling that run like running entirely on his own you know what i mean like it wasn't yeah. like yeah like there's there's a different like obviously they're gonna have input and those guys are gonna like run your organization and be the face of it but i mean like griff was like i think griff had a lot to say there in, in certain things and i think ty like being able to call out lebron and like have a level of structure is just pretty vital it's pretty clear the nets at the end had no structure with their stars it's probably mm-hmm. the, the word structure is probably what i'm trying to get at and, and say in a meaningful way all right across the east river we are going to Takeaway number four, narrative number four from the 2022 offseason, which is that the Knicks screwed up by not trading for Donovan Mitchell and then double screwed up by overpaying Jalen Brunson. I actually think that both of these ended up being false. Yeah, Chris, I don't know how you feel about the Mitchell side because you you've gotten to see that up close, but. I don't think that they should regret that all that much considering where they were as a team. And they definitely did not overpay Jalen Brunson. The dude, the dude uh, is going to be, you know, a, a, an all NBA contender. He might not make it, but he's been one of the best guards in the NBA this year and they didn't even have to max him out. I agree. I, I think both teams, it worked out for everyone. Like I do, I think there's some, do Except I think like Mitchell, well, <laughs> <laughs> they should have paid him four fifty five when they could. And like really just been, in a much better situation than they are right now. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. putting Kyrie in some some tight situations on Twitches the other night. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, so let's start with on the, on the Mitchell side of it. I think like the I think if like giving up quickly, and I know that Grimes is kind of the one that was like the the reported like sticking point, which is like kind of funny in retrospect. But like not giving up quickly is like a really big deal because he's awesome. He plays with joy. He's a great two way player. I think he would probably be my sixth man of the year candidate right now. I think that's where I would be in that race. I would go with Emmanuel quickly for that award. If yeah, I, he if still I has plus odds, which is kind of crazy, almost everywhere. It seems like Brogdon might win it, which, uh, okay. Uh, okay, okay. Is, is a great reaction to yeah, that. Like, but good season. Good, really, here's like the thing Rob, with Rob Grimes, though. I actually don't think that one's that silly. I, I like my, my thing when I was thinking back through this is almost every young player on this team, even including RJ Barrett, low key, has improved Barrett's this year. Got, Barrett, Barrett's and had so some moments make, I'm not like the yeah, biggest you can make RJ the case guy, that, but... You can make the case they shouldn't have traded any of them. You know? Like, I'm not saying yeah. that none of them are equal to Donovan Mitchell. I understand you're talking about a great player in Mitchell, but it's not like they've had it really blow up in their face where one guy busted out and, and you're just like, wow, if they could have just gotten Mitchell for him, look at that. Like, they, everybody's gotten better. I think they're still headed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think, th- I think there's two things that kind of factor into that. Number one... I think that if you don't get Brunson, this looks worse. Brunson has been the engine of that team. Brunson has made everything work. If Brunson stays in Dallas, goes somewhere else, you're probably like bemoaning the fact that you don't have Donovan Mitchell. I, I think that that's just definitely true. Yeah. I think secondly, what comes next and what not not cashing in so many of your chips for Donovan and what that allows you to then trade for, I think will be part of this as well. Because if you then can flip Grimes and Barrett and Picks for something else, then and you have Brunson and that something else that's a better situation than just having Donovan. I think that to me, that would be the more preferable outcome. If you could go get like, I don't want, I'm not even going to say names, but if you could like, if you could, if the right mega star becomes available and you could throw stuff at that guy and throw all your stuff in, then sure. Like, I think that's absolutely a preferable scenario, but we got to see kind of what, what's going to happen with this, but they didn't overpay Brunson. 
I there there all the young players as you said of relationship. I think quickly is the most impressive of of them, mm-hmm. and they're they're in a good spot. I don't. I, I mean, they're gonna probably to me they're gonna be the five seed, probably losing the first round. But like that is above <laughs> where I think a lot of people had them coming into the year, and they're they're legitimately a good team. Like that team is good. I know they just had this weird loss to the Wolves, but like that that's a good basketball Happens. team that is coached really well, play hard. Um, I mean, okay, losing to the Wolves without Ant. And losing and without cash. They beat the Nuggets kinda, before that. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I know. NBA is weird. Happens. NBA in March is, is weird. I They're think, in a really good uh, spot. They're just in a really yeah. good spot with this path that they've gone down. Agreed. And I mean, I, I'm not, I think you would rather have Mitchell in a vacuum, but the fact too with Brunson and the, the way that that contract went from an overpay to a bargain right away, they're paying Brunson a, a lot less than they would have to pay Mitchell. And so you also have a little bit more flexibility there. What I mean by that is if you do get Mitchell, especially if you also get Brunson and then Randall's there, your team, you're capped out. That's kind of what you are. I mean, you still have some young players potentially to keep trading if they don't give all of them up to get Mitchell, but that's sort of what you're locked into. Now they could trade Randall. They could trade. They have a ton of salary. Um, uh, Fournier, Rose, Barrett, Hartenstein even are all like fairly big money guys that they could flip in a, in a mega trade. So it's declining as well for the, the next two years. Then he has a player option, which is like a pretty good structure. Brunson's um, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Brunson's deal. It's like you, you're building in flexibility as the cap's going to go up. We think, and mm-hmm. maybe New York can, maybe the Knicks will like nail a free agent ultimately, which they haven't been able to do, but maybe well, like, maybe they can't, it'll have to be a trade. I think cause they, they have yeah, Brunson true. and Randall long-term and then Barrett also making the true. same amount of true. money as those correct. guys. You're, 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 you're is, correct. You're correct. Which is really bad. Um, yeah, I think the Knicks are on a really good track. And I mean, it, you said you didn't want to name names. I don't think we have to. We just listed 15 that could be traded. Any of them, I think. Uh, maybe not Maybe not all of them. I don't know if they really want like, uh, you know, old DeMar DeRozan, but like Cat, the, the, the Clippers guys, any you know, Jalen the, Brown, the, any the, of these the, players they're going to be in on and they, they very well. Cat with Tibbs them. again just feels like. <laughs> well, yeah, let's not do that. Cat and uh, Randall's the CAA also just connections like connections there though. Yeah, I know, but the Cat and Randall is a front court. If that's like you don't trade Randall in that deal, is just like, yeah. Are we sure about this? Are we rough. sure about this, Knicks? All right. Speaking of, are we sure about this? The Rudy Gobert trade is offseason narrative number five. The the way that I have the narrative written out here on this one, Chris, is the Rudy Gobert trade sucked. I'm not sure if our analysis and conversation needs to be all that deep on this one for better or worse. I think the Rudy Gobert trade did in fact suck and has really hampered what the wolves are going to be able to do to build around a team that coming off of last postseason and heading into last off season when they made that trade was on a very promising upswing, despite some, some disappointing losses to close out that Memphis series. They went from, wow, they have all these young players, all these options to they, they, they cashed all of them in for one player and now, like we talked about on Monday's show, they are in position to maybe have to trade cap because they don't have any moves left. It's such interesting, like, what if to me, if, that if they were able to, they, they were in on DeJounte Murray before he goes to Atlanta. Even if the, the, the sticker price and the sticker shock on DeJounte, I think so would have been a lot. Could you imagine if, like, I would, you'd much prefer to have DeJounte on this team and you move off a of D-Lo then, you just kind of run it back with all the stuff and you have and you have him at the point of attack and all that stuff, like... You'd much rather have that outcome than than this, and you're paying Gobert a ton of money. I don't. You can't. You, he's the and he's the guy. Like if if any of these teams today were like, hey, you have to trade your guy, Gobert would be the hardest one t- to flip of the guys that were traded for a lot of stuff last summer, right? Like he he's you're not gonna get 
you're never going to be able to turn this back into a positive. You're hoping now that he just like you can get the most out of him over whatever it is and that he can like work with ants and all of this stuff. It just it was it was an ill-advised decision in the moment. It doesn't feel any better now. Like they didn't accelerate themselves in the way I think you would have hoped and they didn't even like win a lot of like I know Cat has missed a ton of the season and that has a part in this. But they didn't even like rack up regular season wins in the way you might have thought. Like if there's an argument for it, it's like they're going to be like a really good regular season team. Gobert's going to give them a great defense, and like, mm-hmm. like that hasn't worked, and it leaves you in the spot where it's just like I, I don't like. Is what is the way this team improves next year? What is the way this team gets better? They had to reset yeah. their point guard situation by trading for Mike Conley, who I love and like an all-time underrated guy but like you when you're trading for mike conley to like kind of reset your point guard position in 2023 that's a really hard place to be so tough 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 look for the wolves it sucked then the internet was actually right for once (laughs) the internet was right yeah that's the takeaway from the rudy gobert era in minnesota i think um i think the way that we'll look at this one i think the trade itself what's crazy to me is they finally had a, a structure around Cat that I feel like really made sense to have Vanderbilt and McDaniels both. That's kind of the perfect type of forward rotation that you want to cover up what Cat is limited at. You know, he's not an amazing mm-hmm. rim protector. He's not, you know, a great anchor for your defense, but he has some things. He's big, he's mobile, whatever. And then you get those guys flying around around him and it felt like, okay, they're really onto something. And then they just blew that whole identity up. That was the weirdest part of it to me, even beyond yep. what they traded. And then it's, yeah, they don't have shooting. They don't really have any way to, to get cap space. Like it, it put them really behind the eight ball in a, in a frustrating way, but we, we went deep on the wolves on Monday. So I think that one we we're on the same page on number six off-season narrative from 2022 that we're revisiting today the warriors are back they were winning coming off of winning a title they're fourth together felt like this was going to be the year 2023 where wise men and moody and kaminga all were going to join into the fun and really push forward and and help win championships number five six and seven or whatever the case might have been uh that bubble has definitely been burst and they are about 500. So I guess they were back, but they didn't stay back. If that makes any sense. I mean, like there's a lot that has happened. (laughs) Steph has missed a ton of time. Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the face. Jordan Poole got paid. uh, And we'll talk about that later, but like he has not played particularly well this year. You know, the Wiseman stuff happened. And and he's gone, and you have you don't even get Gary Payton the second back in that trade to actually play meaning, meaningful meaningful minutes for you right now. You know we don't really know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins. They're not, and they're, they're, look at their road record. The other day, like the 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 common NBA tweet was like it was like the Thanos like perfect and you know balanced thing, and it was like their home record and and road record were like perfect image like reverse images of each other. They won a title, but. They didn't like this. This has not been like an inspiring title defense for a variety of reasons. It has been frustrating. What was framed as like the Warriors maybe last dance in some ways has like not really been that, you know, it hasn't been that kind of like show stopping really high level thing where everything is working, you know, that and it doesn't feel like it, they, they are back because they win a title, but like to not follow it up kind of means you're not back almost. Right. Yeah, I think so. I. 
I guess another narrative though from last offseason with the Warriors, although it wasn't quite the offseason, was that the Draymond trade was going to ruin everything for them and he might be traded and he might be suspended all year or whatever. That feels very silly in retrospect. You know, I I think you can pin a lot of things on a lot of people in this situation. Sure. Draymond is not as great as he used to be. Poole has not been good. So I guess the two main characters in that situation, you know, aren't huge bonuses, pr- pros for this team this year. But I don't think that that really ended up backfiring or hurting them as much as we thought in the long run. It was just very salacious and, and very fun to talk about. But I guess that's one narrative that that definitely feels silly. I, I guess like we also just like need to see what they do in the playoffs and like if mm-hmm. if they are like back back then like maybe there's a run we're not you know we, that's gonna happen. Sure. I think the bigger if anyone is really back with the words just that Clay is back like Clay mm-hmm. Clay is proclaimed himself and if there's anyone that can like hold that crown it's it's that Clay Thompson at least offensively is back 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 in a big way that that's where I would go. Last thing on the Warriors and it has to do with people being back or not back. Number one candidate to pull a Brad Stevens and go from the coaching staff to the front office, Steve Kerr. Bob Myers might be outy here. He might be gone. And uh, Steve Kerr, been a GM before. We know the back problems. He's, he's, he's not a young man. I mean, he's not an old man, but he's not a young man. He's about sure. to coach Team USA. I don't know. I just want to drop it out there so that if it happens, I can pull this clip, really, was mostly what I was doing there. Yeah, we'll throw it onto TikTok if that's still a social media platform. We can uh, we can share things on if yes. if the uh, if our lovely politicians allow us to keep using it. All right, offseason narrative number seven coming off of this Warriors thing: the rookie extensions that teams quote unquote had to pay. That's kind of the narrative when anyone hits restricted free agency. It's like this ticking time bomb. If you if you keep them up until that point, you're asking for it. You got to give them the extension, otherwise you're heading toward. Um, well, there's the early extension and then there's restricted free agency. Some of these players fall into different camps within that, but either way, you can't lose them for nothing. Sign and trades are hard to do unrestricted free agency. You'd never want to get to, you know, doing an, a qualifying offer or anything crazy like that. So it, it, it really mounted for a lot of teams last year, Chris Zion, jaw and Darius Garland all got their maxes. Then we had a lot of smaller deals that were either restricted free agency or extensions that almost universally were described as overpays last summer. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hero, four for 120. RJ Barrett, who we already talked about, four for 107. Jordan Poole, four for 123. Anthony Simons, four for 100. That's probably the one because it's the, the smallest money that I, I don't think it was all negative. Keldon Johnson, four for 74. And then DeAndre Ayton, four for 131, which was its own sort of mini narrative about the soap opera of his game seven performance, getting mad at the coach and then ending up back on the team anyway and not going out in a Kevin Durant trade. And now he's still on the team. But all of these were the incumbent team was sort of in a in in a corner and they just piled up money on these guys doorsteps and everybody got their deal and, and got handsomely rewarded for it. Are any of do any of these jump out to you as specifically egregious or, or interesting? The pool one just looks really bad now for a yeah, team that is really like does. deep in deep financial trouble. There, you had you pulled the numbers. They're five point one points worse when he's on the floor. Um, the offense isn't as good as he's on the floor. He just hasn't been as good. He's not been as careful with the ball. He's not been as efficient. He already kind of wasn't as good as he was for most of last year in the finals. 
And like this year, it's just been like I he's been kind of like not nearly playing up to that contract. Where like I if I'm them, I trust like Dante Divincenzo more right now than I would Jordan Poole. Like that's where I would be at if I'm the Warriors. I I don't like here's the the the, the thing that I, that comes to mind with me with this Brendan is just it, it seems like we're in an era where like if you're like a pretty good young player who's going into extension eligibility season, teams are just like this happened with John Collins as well. They're just gonna like give you your extension and kind of worry about it later and I sort of get that but I wonder if there's going to be another team or two that does what the Suns did with Aiton and say like okay like go get your money even if they're like strains a relationship makes a little bit more awkward I wonder if we see some more teams do that just because even if the cap rises these are like cap figures these teams are going to have to deal with and and navigate and figure out how to like build around them like I'm sure like the Lakers know exactly how much money Jordan Poole's extension is is costing them in luxury tax dollars, right? Like that, and that that's a thing. That's a real thing. I I wonder, like, you know, what what the Heat feel about the the number heroes at, and like I know there's some. I think that one's that actually well. fine. I feel like Tyler yeah, Heroes turned into a really good scorer at the very least. Know. You know. Yeah, it it's just like it's you're giving guys like a ton of money right up front. And I wonder if teams will like wait another year for some of their guys in the future and like not. But well, what's interesting, there, there's damage, there's risk, right? Like, because like you don't want to make agents mad. You don't want to make the players mad. You don't want to make things awkward. I just wonder if like, they'll be like, can we like manage this a little bit differently financially and not to get stuck with these like massive, massive cap numbers. What did the Suns get for waiting another year though? They didn't have to pay him quite as much. They didn't have to pay him the fifth year, Aiton. Yeah. But they were still over a barrel. They had to pay. Would you him. rather? Ha- well, like, would you rather have the fifth? Yeah, year? I think that you know that depends. None of these guys outside of those first three we said between you know Zion, John, and Darius got a real max with the actual five years. I, yeah, I think there's some situations where you where you would like to have it, especially if it is a little bit of a bargain, like maybe that Keldon Johnson contract, you know, because it, it's a little smaller, or you know, even the hero deal, because maybe he gets another max after that fourth year. He's he wants an, a max extension after year three, and then you're paying him even more than thirty million dollars. I don't know, but I guess I just I don't know if waiting is really the trick. Um, I just think the salaries are getting so crazy that it's going to be really hard for teams to necessarily balance or conceptualize what a good and bad contract is right now. You know, we're, we're seven years out from that 2016 year when Kevin Durant originally moved and went to golden state and everything got wonky. And it felt like we were just starting to even out. And now a lot of the money's getting, getting funny again. And the TV deal is going to only make that worse. And it's like, yeah, I guess at face value right now, pool at 31 million a year or whatever it is feels like a lot. But if the cap goes up substantially, it might not be. It might be like high end starter money rather than like you got to be a superstar to earn this contract. And I don't know if pool even gets to that, but it definitely won't be as ugly. So maybe this is just the standard now. And all these contracts were kind of the first indicators of that, as well as the ones we're about to talk about next, which were on the veteran end. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you can do with these young guys outside of what you said. Just pay them and, and figure it out later. I, th- I think teams are just going to opt to pay it out and pay them and figure it out later. I think that's where we're going to end up with this. And that's they're writing. The What's checks. funny to it's, me is like, how do these things like where do these tiny differences come from? Like, why did pool get 123 and hero got 120? Why did Barrett I, get 107? I, like, it's just it's funny to see them all laid out. And it's like, I have no clue where any of this comes from. And I, maybe I, if you can no, strike a, a really hard bargain and you get five million less, you feel like you won. But I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. The, 
these numbers are like just banana, like they're bananas numbers, especially when you compare them to just like what like guys certainly make in other sports at like similar levels of stuff. And you're just like the like the the numbers on these are are absolutely crazy. You know, like yeah, I, considering like, Pool, he's like the the seventh best player on the Warriors, and he's getting yeah. paid. 30 million dollars the seventh best player in no other sport gets 30 million dollars no like christian pulisic is like making like eight million dollars at chelsea like a year and it's just like this is this is weird it's just these numbers are i feel like they're only going to get crazier too and like we see that with some of the veteran extensions that we'll talk about but like yeah let's let's just do it because that's offseason narrative number eight for us which is that damian lillard and bradley beal were both overpaid for people who may not remember bradley beal Five years, $251 million. Damian Lillard, two years, $122 million. I think the area to to really debate, Chris, feels like the Wizards part of this, the Beal part of this. That last season is $57 million. Um, And they gave him a no trade clause. Yes. Yep. And I believe like a trade kicker potentially as well. That that deal that deal is a disaster. That deal was ill advised. That deal is a team that is trying to stick to like some version of this identity, this era when it should have just moved on and figured it out and like just figured it out later and just like, hey, like we're gonna be bad for a couple of years. Okay, at least we're not paying Bradley Beal like two hundred and fifty million dollars and like we gave him a no trade clause. And I understand like you want to have an identity. I understand you want to have someone be the face of your franchise. But like this is like a point where I think you maybe just should have walked away. You have to like I think if your team's looking at this, you have to be very selective about this and understand like when the right time to pivot is and when the right time to for the ways. Because like I and it's like I feel very differently about the Dame thing in a way that I do the Beal thing. Maybe that's just because the way uh, Dame carries himself and what he kind of represents and, and kind of the leadership aspect of it. But like the Beal thing is also just like. A lot of money. He also just like has said, like he did an interview where he said, like I think they gave me like a ton of money that I couldn't get elsewhere. Like he's kind of transparent about the fact that they just backed up the Brings truck for him, and like this is now it's much his... more of a Wizards problem than a Beal problem. I mean, no one. It's a Wizards problem, but it's also just like I don't know what Bradley. Like I don't know what to make of Bradley Beal. He's a good player, like a All Star ish player. Probably will be for Not a couple anymore. more years. Like it was okay. Was I'm being I'm being kind. I'm being kind, Brendan. Like we're you know we're in the, we're but in you're talking about paying him five years from now, and you're we're I, we're both in agreement. I, he's gotten and, worse than he used to be. So he's averaging twenty three points per game, which is lower than than what he ha- has ever really done recently. I mean, last year yep. was an injury season, but he was at thirty for a couple years. Now he's even less. He's much more efficient. The team has been a little better than it has been lately. But no, I don't. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's an all star level player anymore, and he's no. twenty nine. I mean, no. he's going to be like in his thirties. You're going to be paying him a ton of money, and he can still dictate where, where, where not he can't be traded. I don't. You could be like, I, hey, I you could be like, hey, like someone wants to like eat this money, and we can like rebuild. And they also are going to be in the. And he could be like, no, I don't want to go play for the Orlando Magic or go play for the expansion Seattle SuperSonics or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he could just do that. And then secondly, you're in a position where like you could lose Kuzma and Porzingis for like nothing this summer and just be like, uh, what are we doing here? We just burned a draft pick on Johnny Davis, who isn't good. And we have Bradley Beal making 200 fi- like we on this massive contract that we're going to where we owe him a ton of money. Like, what do you even do at that point? What is your team at that point? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their team is. Their team is mediocre, which seems to be 
the extent of their goals um, most seasons, which is a bummer for what for Wizards fans. That's it's a not really fun place to be in. The, the the pink jerseys are great though. They should just make those like in their rotation forever. The, the those cherry are blossoms. Yeah, yeah those are those are those cool. are those are perfect. Uh, the Lillard side of this, I don't think that's a good deal either. Um, he's going to be thirty six years old, making sixty three million dollars per season. Good. It's good for him. Um, great for him, of course. Same with Beal. Great, make your money. I don't care, but yeah, you know. It's it's a sport that has a salary cap, so unfortunately, there's some other factors in there. Yeah, I I think where I just the the I think you're right, just in terms of like the money and the aging thing, and it's like I mean like we, if we had had a podcast at that pot at that time, I'm sure we would have been like, you know, Kobe's deal is like a lot for his last two years and and what he was right, um, and like these. It's it's there's never an easy scenario with these guys when you have these franchise legends, guys who have been with their franchise forever, who are like the face of your franchise. There's never like an easy thing to do with this. I don't know how you don't go to Dame. Like what mm-hmm. what does Dame do if you go to him and you're like, hey, we're gonna give you like, like you know, even like a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what what happens in that situation? I don't I don't you really have a good wait answer it out for though. You. I guess that's that's really the problem with like, me from the Lillard thing is like that he, that they just like went ahead and like just got it done now and we're like okay we're just gonna do this okay I don't, yeah I, I don't the, think that's the contract kicks in that extension of the two years hundred twenty two million it kicks in in twenty twenty five they signed it in twenty twenty two so it just yeah. wasn't necessary to to jump the gun in that way. I think from a big picture perspective, I think we're, we're both in agreement that the initial read as far as the narrative last summer went was an accurate one, Chris. I think that this is going to be, I just think of the legacy or that's a big word for it, but like what Chris Paul's reign as executive or as president of the Players Association will mean. And I think what he did with the alumni getting the healthcare stuff figured out if, if you know, People haven't read up on that. That that's the biggest legacy because that's very important. Um, getting retired players access to healthcare—you'd think that already existed. It, it did not fully, and he made that happen. The other part is these humongous deals for the oldest players in the NBA. These guys who are in year ten plus and keep the amount that they're able to earn as a percentage of the cap keeps going up and up and up forever. It feels like, and. Yeah. It just puts these teams in a hole. It rewards guys who deserve to be rewarded, but it puts teams in a really bad spot to continue to win around them. And a lot of teams are dealing with the after effects of that. Um, well, it, it's from like a pure business perspective. The way you, I think teams would probably want it to work is like you get paid in your prime and then you no longer get paid for what you've done, but then you like consolidate the money and go elsewhere and like keep that guy around. And like, they're just kind of okay with that. That's just not how that didn't work that way with LeBron. That didn't work that way with Chris Paul that's just not how that has worked with that generation of stars and what that means. I think going forward, I, it clearly isn't working that way with Dame, you know, and I can't really blame him. Take the money. We don't really know like who went to who, I guess I don't, at least I don't know like who went to who in terms of negotiating that extension. The Blazers went to him and say, Hey, we want to give you $122 million into this contract. If I'm Dame, you say, yeah. And you like, just, I think it came the other direction personally. I think it was Lillard's agent saying, Hey, clock's ticking. We're, we're eligible. Let's get it done. Yeah, and it, it's 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 a very tricky place. And then, like then again, if the team and then like the fans probably get mad at you, and if you don't do it, it's it's not easy. I and wonder who Willard the first might team get mad did. at you, right? True. 
well, he might not. That's never been his thing. I wonder who the first guy to like say no will be, or like the first team that's like, nah, we're not doing this, and like what that looks like. I there's someone probably been a lot. It. I mean, right? I, there's probably with these but, like very distantly in the future extensions. If the team, if the player asks for it and the team says no, we might not ever hear about it, depending on how famous or yeah, big true. big name of a player that, I, that I, might be. I mean, it's like got to be like the big like the big name like franchise legend type that they're just like nah, like we need to. The be a little more prudent financially for whatever reason. The I mean, money stuff is Draymond the Green, money right? Is, it's kind of an yeah, example. Yeah, the it's money, not the, the same sixty million, but it. No. I, I would imagine he wanted money and hasn't gotten it. He hasn't gotten his extension. Yeah, uh, the money stuff in the NBA is just like in a very. I, this new CBA is just going to be a fascinating pivot moment. Let's leave it yeah. at that. I think. All right, two rapid fire ones. They're not super consequential, Chris, but they're interesting nonetheless. Narrative number nine from the 2022 NBA offseason. John Wall will fix the Clippers. <laughs> Did that happen? No. No. And John Wall's not even on an NBA team at the current moment. No. I don't know if he will ever again, unfortunately for him. I, I, I feel for him because like the, the injury stuff really just kind of ruined a really great career. And I get the Clippers like going that route and all of that. It's just... It was never going to be that simple and it was never going to be just he figures it out and is like the best version of John Wall for that team immediately. And like he, that maybe was just like asking a little too much of, of where Wall ended up. They still seem to think that that archetype of player is going to help them because they, there's well, just <laughs> so much riding on this Clippers season. And somehow they just thought that Russell Westbrook and John Wall, even, which, again, much more of a uh, no hard feelings on him, but expecting him to to be really a meaningful, like, fix and band-aid on anything was was a, a pipe dream because of how much injuries had, had sapped him. And, and Russell Westbrook makes even less sense. It's just a, a type of player that I think, despite how it might feel like in theory, it should help Leonard and George. I don't. I just think we know now. It it won't. It's okay. It it won't. That's not what they need. They don't need a a, a sh, you know unable to shoot athletic, pick up the pace point guard in his thirties. Like let's just stop trying that. Yeah. But they seem to be be really determined to do it. Yeah. Nothing else to add to that. Uh, the last one. Let's do it. All right. Number ten. Firing Frank Vogel was a mistake. Was this actually the narrative? I was trying to think about how to frame this one in the first place. I think I think it was on I think people thought it was unfair because he had won a title not that long ago and it was like blaming him as like the scapegoat for like the Russell Westbrook and other problems with the Los, the real Lakers of Los Angeles. What do we think now? Cuz would they be I, I any like different Lakers fans are would they be yeah. any different if he was the coach and Darvin Ham was not? I I don't really know if there's like a tangible like win difference no. one way or the other if Frank Vogel's the head coach. LeBron has missed so I much time and Anthony Davis spent so much time that this team just is what it is as a result of those guys. No matter who is the head coach, you could have got prime Phil Jackson. You could have brought Greg Popovich like in there, Steve, like Ty Lue, whomever, right? This team was going to be what it is. If LeBron's going to miss as much time as he had and Anthony Davis missed as much time as he had that, mm-hmm. that there's no coach in the way the NBA works is going to supersede your star players not being available. I think the one, well, I can name two things that I feel like Darvin Ham, you could give him credit for, although we never know exactly who 
makes what happen in an NBA team because it's impossible to. Getting Russell Westbrook to, at the very least, accept the bench role. I don't know if he was happy about it. I don't know if it ended up going well because obviously he didn't stay. But that's noteworthy. And then Anthony Davis basically being the team's full-time center, although the roster kind of necessitated that in some ways. But he's basically their five now, and you don't really hear too much about it, and it's not really been a problem. Those are two things that people wanted Frank Vogel to do that that Darvin Ham has at least overseen. Again, I'm not willing to say he came in and made it all happen like a magic man, but like that happened this season. But I agree. The roster was what it was. The injuries are what they are. Nothing about who, who coached the team was going to be able to make up for much of that. Unless the team just gets healthy by the playoffs, it's going to be the same story as it would have been. Yeah, unless LeBron's healthy, then like same old thing. Yep. All right, that was 10. I don't think we missed anything. I feel like that was a, a nice hop in the time capsule a little bit, but it's crazy how much things change in this league and people move around and <laughs> what we thought was true, no longer true. Yeah, and look, I, I look forward to like this summer just blowing up our conception of things again. Like Things always just seem to get weird. We're going to get something we don't expect. That's just the nature of, I think, all sports and in life is that sometimes things just happen and you don't really expect it ever to happen. And the NBA like the is Suns winning a championship for the first time. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Look, I mean that, I mean, like, I, I mean a lot of things, you know, I mean that, I mean, um, you know, it'll be like weird when like Jalen Brown is like, you know, playing for like, I don't know, like what's the weirdest Jalen Brown team, Indiana Pacers. <laughs> it'll be weird when chat GPT four is coaching an NBA team by next season. If Brennan, if that happens, I'm just I'm log like I'm, I, we'll have to fold the show. I'm out at that point. If, if the AI comes for for basketball, I'm I'm just out. You're We're not going to spend your time doing a podcast. You're going to go see the world I'm just, or something before we all I'm just are, gonna, are ended. I'm just going to get like an hourly like job, and I'm just going to get off the internet and. Uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna live Cruise. a different life. I, yeah, just I, look. I I don't know what to do at that point. I mean, like, we like Greg Popovich could be like out of basketball. Like he could be retired in the summer. Like you know, like there's all these different oh, yeah. things. Like there's someone gonna we're lot. gonna get like, yeah, like a lot is gonna change between now and, like I mean, even like on the WNBA side, who would have like nece- necessarily thought like Brandon Stewart's like ever gonna leave Seattle and end up with with the Liberty? You know, like there's. There's all these things that have changed drastically that just constantly, everything is movement. Everything is change. And there are obviously some things that kind of hold true. We can kind of look at and say, this feels kind of stable. Um, but then obviously things are not. I mean, James Harden, who we started with on the show, is maybe the best example of that. That like sometimes things just get weird and you you switch teams. And Man, his past two years are, are about the best description of the modern NBA as there possibly could be. Traded yeah, a million and, times, intentionally came to, to camp out of shape in order to get a trade, almost wins a title with one team, then wants out less than a year later. Now, all of a sudden, wants to go back to where it all started. All in well, and he's, 24 months. And so he is, uh, he is, and he's in year 13. He is 33 years old. He'll be 34 before next season. He's going to be like, hey, Houston Rockets, someone give me four years max contract money. Can you imagine paying James paying James Harden's like whatever salary that's going to be in year in when he's thirty eight, <laughs> particularly if you're Houston. No, that's not. And like, um, like, and it's just like, okay, like here, here we go. Guess we're doing it. Like, but like, that's where we end up with some of this stuff, and it's just like, 
some it makes like some of the other things that were like big shockers like the the Mitchell trade in the summer the Gobert trade like all of those stuff like free agency signings like to make some of these things like when you like think about the implications of the moves more than just the moves themselves you get a little it makes my head spin a little bit if I'm being honest it really does like it's I'm waiting I'm just waiting I'm waiting for like the I'm just like when that deal comes through and we find out what Harden's going to do or like or some of these other things, it's just going to be like, okay, like I guess we're just, this is this is our life now. We will do a podcast about it and react and, and figure and make make sense of it in real time. Making sense of it. I think that's the, the, the tagline for the modern NBA. All right, that'll wrap us up, guys. A big thank you to Dylan Heiser and Jake Stevens for producing. As always, a big thank you to you guys for listening and watching. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding us, including YouTube. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well, and we'll talk to you guys next week.